St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Jackson, Mississippi is a historically black church that was organized in 1883. Several former slaves were numbered among its first members. For years, it housed the Fanny Johnson Memorial Clinic, a place people in Jackson could receive free medical care regardless of their race or their socioeconomic status or their belief. Civil rights meetings were held in its building during the 50s and the 60s. Then in the 1970s, with child care options for working families being inadequate in that area, St. Mark's established one of the first child care centers in that part of Jackson. Later, they joined with several other churches to build a state-of-the-art educational facility for young children from all over Jackson. At that time, with the child care center no longer being on its campus, now that it was run by several churches and in a new building, the Church of St. Mark's faced a decision. Should they, as so many churches were doing, move to a different part of town or even to a suburb where crime was lower and church families more populous? But instead, the parishioners there chose to stay put. When a homeless person burned, when an abandoned house caught on fire, the concern of the people of St. Mark's drove them to explore affordable housing options in the neighborhood. Several years later, public housing units sprung up on the grounds of St. Mark's Jackson, and all of this with a congregation that numbered only a little more than 50. When I visited St. Mark's with a few other parishioners from St. Peter's back in 2010, they had already identified a possible next ministry. Many homeless people trekked along the sidewalk in front of St. Mark's every day. They trekked there when they were on their way between the homeless shelter and the soup kitchen. So what, the people of St. Mark's wondered, if there was a center on the grounds of St. Mark's for these people to learn a skill? or to access the internet on a job search. It seems that the people of St. Mark's aren't so much interested in getting out of the wilderness themselves as they are interested in accompanying those who remain in the wilderness, the wilderness of illness, oppression, poverty, or homelessness. See, sometimes it is not our disobedience that leads us into the wilderness, but our faithfulness. Sometimes it is not our disobedience that leads us into the wilderness, but our faithfulness. In today's Gospel reading from Matthew, we find that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. This one phrase exposes the lie that is so prominent in much of North American Christianity. The lie that if we love God and are faithful, then we will be blessed with wealth and good health and all other wonderful things. That is the prosperity gospel, but it is not the gospel of Jesus. The Spirit can lead us into the wilderness, and once we're there, we almost always find ourselves tempted. The problem is that a temptation usually comes to us disguised as something reasonable and good, and so we convince ourselves that it's worthwhile. Turn stone into bread. Why not? After all, there are a lot of hungry people in the world. Jump from the temple and let angels catch you. Is that really any different from handling snakes in church so that people can see your faith 
and see the power of God? Become a ruler, part of the political establishment. We all know that political leaders can bring about good as well as evil, right? Well, Jesus did end up doing all these things with which he was tempted. He fed a crowd of 5,000 with just two fish and five loaves of bread. He became so known for his acts of healing and miracles that people came in droves to see him. And he rocked the political establishment. But Jesus didn't do these things in the way that Satan offered. Jesus did these things not by claiming power for himself, not by avoiding difficult and painful situations for himself, not by being a lofty God removed from both our humanity, our beauty, and our pain. Jesus used his power for and in solidarity with the sick, the poor, and the oppressed. Being a Christian is not about escaping from suffering, pain, death, or anything else that marks a human life. It is about being faithful in the midst of it all and remembering what the power of God does and does not look like in the world, remembering how true power is used and who it is used for. We will always be tempted, always feel the tug to use our power for ourselves, and we all do have some power. Is that life in the wilderness? Perhaps. But it can also become the path of faithfulness. And we see this in the life of Jesus. I want to share with you a beautiful poem written by Andrew King about the temptations of Jesus. And it's a little bit long, but I think it's worth it, so hang with me. It is the empty time just before morning, the light just beginning to touch the tops of the hills, just beginning to palm the skins of the desert stones. First one stone and then another begins to change color as in slow grandeur the sun lifts into red-orange sky. First one stone and then another emerges from shadow, small solitudes of darkness in the solitude of wilderness and the emptiness of early morning. Jesus is awake, blankets clutched to keep out the cold while he sits and watches stars fade in the spreading dawn. Hunger gnaws at his belly like a dog chewing a bone. Looking at a stone, he thinks, how like a loaf of bread this rock appears. How comforting such food would be. Lifting his head in the direction of the holy city, Jesus pictures the sunrise on the rooftops of the temple, gleaming in the light like the spires of marble mountains. He imagines his feet astride that proud building's pinnacle and himself, not weak but mighty, not being hungry but full. Not vulnerable, not breakable, should I fall. The wind begins to rise, stirs the dry and scrawny grasses. Jesus ponders the passage of time, the rise and fall of kingdoms, the tides of marching armies, the endless quests for power that sweep up people and nations like sands in a desert wind. He imagines himself at the head of a host of armored thousands, lands and nations to serve him, like the pharaohs, like David, like Caesar ruling from Rome. Jesus sighs and stands and stretches, a solitary and hungry yet somehow satisfied man, and folds the dusty blankets. He will not bid the stones turn to bread today to ease his pressing hunger, for the hungry and poor of the world cannot, and he is in the world to bear their burden. 
He will not evade frail humanness today or deny his utter mortality, for even the mighty of the world cannot, and he is in the world to bear their burden. He will not seek the throne of a kingdom today, selfish wealth or glory, for the outcasts and hurting of the world cannot, and he is in the world to bear their burden. Day has come to the wilderness around him. The sun is full and blazing. Saying, get away from me, Satan, Jesus starts to walk from the desert testing toward the towns and the cities where his ministry of love will begin. His feet leave firm prints in the sand. It seems that Jesus ended up spending his whole life wandering through one wilderness after another. The literal wilderness of solitude and wild beasts, the wilderness of lepers, tax collectors, a Samaritan woman, and other outcasts, the wilderness of a woman with hemorrhages, blind Bartimaeus, and an epileptic epileptic child, the wilderness of betrayal, and the wilderness of death. It was precisely in such wilderness that Jesus rejected blind power. It was in this wilderness that he welcomed and healed and remained faithful and rose again. Our Lenten journey, like the journey of Jesus, is not so much about finding our way out of the wilderness as it is about how we journey through it. This Lent, we try once again to make the journey as Jesus did, with humility, compassion, and an awareness of our humanity. We make the journey trusting that along the way angels will tend to us and that we will find glimpses of heaven even in the wilderness.